Psalm 141, we'll begin reading in verse number 1. Lord, I cry out to you, make haste to me. Give ear to my voice when I cry out to you. Let my prayer be set before you as incense, the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Do not incline my heart to any evil thing, to practice wicked works with men who work iniquity. And do not let me eat of their delicacies. Let the righteous strike me, it shall be a kindness. And let him rebuke me, it shall be as excellent oil. Let my head not refuse it. For still my prayer is against the deeds of the wicked. Their judges are overthrown by the sides of the cliff, and they hear my words, for they are sweet. Our bones are scattered at the mouth of the grave, as when one plows and breaks up the earth. But my eyes are upon you, O God the Lord. In you I take refuge. Do not leave my soul destitute. Keep me from the snares they have laid for me and from the traps of the workers of iniquity. Let the wicked fall into their own nets while I escape safely. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you for this wonderful psalm. I pray as we just spend a few moments here this morning looking at it, I pray you'd speak to our hearts. Father God, fill me with your spirit, I pray. Forgive me for any sin that uh, hinders my usefulness today. Help me, Lord, to say the things I should and nothing else. I just pray for clarity of thought. I pray, Lord, for... uh, Yeah, just for clarity of thought. And I pray, Father, that you'd help us all to be filled with your Spirit to hear as we think about this simple thought for the new year. I pray, Lord, that you would uh, just speak to us all. And where we need to be convicted, convict us. Where we need to be improved, improve us. Change us, Father. Help us to be what we ought to be as a result of uh, these few moments we spend together in your word. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. It seems to me that uh, whenever we enter into some new endeavor, it's always a wise thing to begin it with prayer. The new year is not yet a week old. This is our first Lord's Day together in 2020. It's a blank canvas that's laid out before us, and we don't yet know what the artist is going to paint on that canvas. And so I think we ought to start it out right. I think we ought to start it out with, Prayer. And, of course, the question comes up is, okay, it's a new year. How do we pray? What should we pray as we enter this new year? What should be our prayer for a new year? Once again, we find our country embroiled overseas with enemies. So peace would be a good thing to pray for, wouldn't it? Peace. Wisdom for our country's leaders would seem to be a good thing to pray for in the new year. Here at home, our country is embroiled in what I think is the most ridiculous political quagmire I remember in, the, in at least my history of watching politics. Godly leadership would seem to be a good request for 2020, wouldn't it? Wisdom. How about maturity for those who are in the highest roles in our land, playing like children? That seems like a good thing to pray for. Our church is launching something somewhat big. We've been talking about phase three for a couple of years now. And uh, the machine is finally starting to move. It's very likely that we might stick a shovel in the dirt here in the next few months. Praise the Lord. Plenty to pray for there, isn't there? 
I mean, we need to know God's will. We need to have wisdom from Him. We need to seek courage and stamina and determination to get on with that task if that's His will. We need to seek His help uh, to raise the, the required remaining funds and, and all of those things that are related to that. And so there's many things there that we could pray for this new year. And, of course, individually, each of us, individually, as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, face a new year with just as many needs and just as many issues that we need to pray about. Just as much personal uncertainty in our lives as uh, some of these other larger uh, spheres. Only God knows what's going to happen to us in 2020. Some of us are going to rejoice over loved ones coming to the Lord in 2020. Won't that be glorious? Some of us are going to weep over loved ones going to be with the Lord in 2020. Some are going to coast through this year like one big, long success and joy. Others are going to struggle every day this year just to put one foot in front of the other. We just don't know what this year is going to be. Some are going to need God's strength more than ever before. Some are going to grow in Christ this year. Some are going to drift away. and Some are going to struggle uh, to, to, to stay true to the Lord. Some are going to laugh a lot this year. Some are going to feel a lot of the opposite and not feel like laughing much at all. What does the new year bring? How then shall we pray? Especially this morning, that's what I want us to think about, how we individually ought to pray, how you ought to pray for yourself in this new year, and how I ought to pray for myself right here at the start of this year. Kathy and I usually, on, in the morning as we're drinking our coffee, we, we read our Bible together a little bit, and a few days ago we read this psalm. Psalm 41, and it just, it just struck me that there's some verses in here that I think are a wonderful prayer for the new year. And that's what I want us to look at this morning. James Montgomery Boyce wrote about this particular psalm, that every word or sentence is a prayer. And I think that's true if you look down through it. And so I want us to notice, David prayed several things in here, and I want you to think about how we ought to pray them as well, that they are a prayer for the new year. The first one he prayed is in verse number 3. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. I think the first thing we ought to pray for for 2020 is may my words be right. May my words be right. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Is it just me? Or does that get harder the older you get? Is it just me? I struggle with words more now, I think, than I ever have. And I've told you, no doubt, before that when I was younger, I was a bit of a smart aleck. I, I seem to have a reputation. I've told you before that my wife, Beth, she used to cast a sad eye my way whenever I'd said something particularly snarky. And she would, uh, she would say with this sad look, your mouth is going to be the death of you. I mentioned that to my brother just the other day with my mom being sick and things going on there. He was up and we were sitting in my living room and I mentioned that. I thought it was funny. And he said, yeah, yeah. He said, we thought you were demon possessed. <laughs> what? A apparently my mouthiness was more legendary than I thought. You know, when I was younger, I looked forward to being older and wiser. I did. I looked forward to a day when I'd have victory over things like this. Now I'm older and the struggle is still there. 
and I find myself still wanting to say things I ought not to say and spout off in anger when I'm displeased and smart off in frustration when I don't get my way. In my old age, I find my filter is less, not more. I need to pray this prayer for 2020. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. May my words be right in this new year. Am I alone in that? I hope I'm not the only one that is the case. One man said, we have a saying that goes, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never hurt me. But words do hurt, and they have done more harm in the long history of the human race than physical weapons. James wrote, if anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. We need to pray. May my words be right. Xenocrates, the head of the famous Athenian Academy in 339 B.C., said on one occasion, quote, I have often repented of having spoken, but I have never repented of having been silent. It's a good thing to remember. Lord, may my words be right in 2020. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. David wasn't done there. He had another prayer request here. May my words be right. And then in verse number four, do not incline my heart to any evil thing. May my heart be pure. May my heart be pure. When I ponder this tendency I have to sin with my lips, to displease my Lord with words, I can't escape the fact that the sin goes deeper than that. It's not just my mouth. It goes much deeper. It's my heart. It's my heart. Jesus said the heart is the source of our words. He said we speak What's in our heart? A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. And so when I speak, when we speak, it's merely a reflection of what we are. Out of our mouth pours the evidence of what we are in our heart. And the problem is our heart's nasty, our heart's black, our heart's sin-sick, it's rotten, it's broken. Remember what Jeremiah the prophet said about it. He said, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? How can I speak rightly if my heart is not right? And so we need to pray. This for the new year. In addition to may my words be right, we need to pray. May my heart be right. Do not incline my heart to any evil thing. It reminds me, and it ought to remind us all, of a central truth of Scripture, right? And that is that we're all sinners. And all of us have this heart that's filled to the brim with this propensity to sin. It is our nature. We cannot help it. It's one we struggle against daily. It was something that David, the man after God's own heart, even needed to pray about here. And if he needed to pray about it, you better mark it down. You need to pray about it. And so do I. The Apostle Paul is a man that I and many others would classify as perhaps the greatest Christian who ever lived. Uh, the most victorious who ever lived. And yet, listen to what he said in Romans chapter 7. He said, the trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me, for I am all too human, a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. If I know that what I am doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I am not the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me. That is, in my sinful nature, I want to do what is right, but I can't. That's the way we all are. We have within us this sin-sickened heart. 
on my mantle plate, my fireplace mantle at home, I have a plaque. Well, I had a plaque. Right now it's not there because of Christmas stuff, but I had a plaque there that said, uh, quoted Joshua chapter 24 and verse number 15. Joshua 24:15 says, If it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I had that plaque there, and I've, I've looked at that plaque for a long time. It's an interesting verse. Joshua issued that challenge to the children of Israel at the end of his life, knowing that very soon he was going to uh, leave. And uh, they were going to have to move on without him. And after he issued that challenge, the people heard the challenge. And here's how they responded in the very next verse. They said, we also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. Yes, Joshua, we'll take up that challenge. We will serve the Lord. We will live for him. And then listen to what Joshua said after that. They had, he had issued the challenge. They had answered in the affirmative. And then he said, you cannot serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins. I want you to serve the Lord. Yes, we'll serve the Lord. You cannot serve the Lord. It's a very strange uh, three verses there. And yet here's what he's saying, I believe. I think the point is simple. None of us can serve God in and of ourselves. Our heart is deceitful. Our, we're sinners. Sin dwells in us. It is our nature. It is our bent. It is our innermost self. Our heart, as Jeremiah said, is deceitful and desperately wicked. So what's the solution? Well, Ezekiel wrote of the solution. He said, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of, 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 of flesh. Jeremiah wrote something similar to that, to that in uh, Jeremiah chapter 31. He said, this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and their sin I will remember no more. That evil heart that's in me, that evil heart that is in you, cannot be fixed by anything that I might do, by anything that you might do. You simply cannot make enough New Year's resolutions to fix that sin-blackened heart. You can't clean it up. It needs to be remade. It needs to be replaced. It needs to be made new. And only Jesus can do that. Jesus. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. So if you've never been made new by the Lord Jesus Christ, and if you've never been born again, if you've never prayed and sought the salvation that he offers, that's the prayer you need to pray. That's the one you need to pray right now. The very first prayer that you pray in 2020 needs to be that one. Lord, change my heart. Give me a new heart. Come into my heart and save me. You need to trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. That's the only prayer that he's going to hear from you. But those of us who are saved, those of us who have done that, I think we find with an increasing realization as we go throughout life that our heart is still black and we still need to pray for a pure heart daily. One day we're going to get to heaven. And when we get to heaven, finally that blackened heart is not going to be there. That tendency to sin is not going to be there. But here, still on this earth, still stuck in this rotten body, we still struggle with it. So I need to pray that prayer this year. You do too, Lord. 
May my heart be pure. Do not incline my heart to any evil thing. David went on. He said a third thing here. Verse number four, he said, May my works be godly. Do not incline my heart to any evil thing to practice wicked works. David knew his heart was evil. And so he prayed for God to protect him from doing wrong things, from practicing wicked works. Jesus taught us something similar when he said in, in, the, in what we call the Lord's Prayer, lead us not into temptation in Matthew 6.13. Can you imagine a world where, where Christians prayed, may my words be right and, and, and may my heart be pure, and then lived in light of those prayers? Can you imagine that? Doesn't it, doesn't it seem logical that if we did, if we prayed that and lived that, that our works would be right? We wouldn't struggle with doing rotten things and going places we ought not to. But David here seems to say something different. He knew better. He struggled not just with wicked tendencies. He struggled with wicked works all of his life. So do I, and so do you. As long as we dwell in what one of my old pastors used to call this sin-enfeebled body with its sin-blackened heart, we will be tempted to do sin-blackened things. And we need to pray this prayer for the new year. Do not incline my heart to any evil thing to practice wicked works. Lord, may my works be godly in this new year. I think right here at the start of 2020, some of us need to get really real about some things. We need to admit to God that we've done things, been doing things, had certain things in our life that we need to repent of and that we need to turn away from and that we need to ask God for help with. Maybe it's drink. Maybe you struggle with drugs. Maybe it's pornography. Maybe when nobody is looking, you fill your mind with sexual sin. Maybe it's rebellion against the pure teaching of Scripture about marriage. Maybe, maybe you're, you're living with somebody outside of marriage. You know it's sin. Maybe it's dishonesty. Maybe you've been lying to someone, lying about your taxes, stealing time or material from your employer. Maybe it's just laziness. That's a big one. Maybe it's unkindness. Unkindness to your spouse or to your children or to your parents, or to somebody around you. Maybe it's lack of concern for the lost. Maybe it's a rebellion against what you know is God's will for your life. Maybe you know he's given you a spiritual gift, you're not using it. You know you're in rebellion against him for that. Maybe it's, I don't know, fill in the blank, whatever it might be. But I think in 2020, right here to start, we need to get real about this. Let us pray. Do not incline my heart to any evil thing to practice wicked works. Let us pray. Lord, may my works... Be godly in this new year. A couple more. Look at verse number four again. He says, Do not incline my heart to any evil thing to practice wicked works with men who work iniquity, and do not let me eat of their delicacies. I think he's praying there, May I not be ensnared. May I not be ensnared. We need to seek God's help in not being ensnared by our own sinful heart. But here he also says we need to seek God's help in not being ensnared by others' sinful hearts. We're too easily tempted by sin. And we're too easily enticed by sinners. My daughter Amy, when she was, I I, want to say she was two, but that doesn't sound right to me. But she was very young. Uh, I don't think she was in kindergarten yet. She learned a verse in Sunday school class. 
And it was Proverbs chapter 1, verse number 10. My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. And I, I've mentioned before, I can still hear her little lisping voice. She had a speech impediment when she was little. I can still hear her trying to say that. My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. And by the way, I cannot help but rant right here for just a moment about that because she learned that in Sunday school. And here's a prayer that parents in our church might want to pray for 2020. Lord, forgive me for not bringing my kids to Sunday school and help me to do it in 2020. I am amazed at how people in our society, it's not just our church, but people in our society will not bring their kids where there is free instruction in godliness. Parents, you know what? You have only one job. It is not your job to train up your kids to get a good job in, in life, to, to give them a career, to give them one up in, in society. That is not what the Bible says you're to do. There's only one thing the Bible says you're to do, and that's to train them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. End of story. And so you need to bring them to Sunday school. You need to bring them to youth group. Someday your kids can be your friends. That's when you're old and they're older. Right now that you're their parent... And there's only one thing you're supposed to do. Get them here. Well, that's the end of that rant. But I, my daughter learned that in Sunday school. And uh, it's important. And it's exactly what David was saying right here. He was saying, do not incline my heart to any evil thing to practice wicked works with men who work iniquity. And do not let me eat of their delicacies. May I not be ensnared by others and by the temptations that are all around me. No matter how much we pray for our words to be right, our heart to be right, and even our works to be right, we're still going to face temptation from others. We're going to face temptation from friends and family and co-workers and the steady, rotten pull of this culture in which we live. We're going to find ourselves enticed by sinners daily. David knew this. He knew this from his own experience. He knew that if he had only gone off to battle on that horrible day, he would not have been left back in Jerusalem to be tempted by Bathsheba. He knew that if he had only not walked out on his rooftop where he knew perfectly well he could see down into her bathing area, he knew that if he had just not gone there, he would have not been tempted to sin. He knew all these things. He was enticed and he was ensnared and he fell into sin. Abraham's nephew Lot could tell a similar story. The Bible calls Lot a righteous man, a just man. But there was a day when he looked at Sodom and he liked what he saw. I don't know what he saw there that he liked, but he liked what he saw. And so the Bible says that he pitched his tent towards it so he could look at it a little bit more. And then the Bible says he kept moving closer and closer and closer until eventually he was living in the midst of the filth of Sodom. He had become part of it. And at the very end, right before he was rescued from it, the Bible even says he was a leader within that sinful place. It was a part of him now. My favorite professor in Bible college, I've, I've given you this quote before, but it's so good. He said, there is no substitute for distance when dealing with sin. And that's what David's praying for here. Don't let me be ensnared by the sins of others. I love what one commentator wrote about this. He said, David's prayer is not only that he might be kept from evil, it is also that he might be kept from the company of evildoers, so he will not be tempted to sit down with them and eat of their delicacies. He, David was not saying that he was too good for evil people. He was saying that he was too much like them and therefore likely to be swept away by their wickedness in their company. David, swept away by evil people, enticed to sin. If it could happen to be David, if it happened to David, it certainly could happen.
to us. So let us pray. May I not be ensnared. Two more. And I'm just going to mention them briefly and we're done. Look at verse number five. He says, let the righteous strike me. It should be a kindness. Let him rebuke me. It should be his excellent oil. Let my head not refuse it. I think he's praying there, let my, let, let, let me be open to correction. I think what we need to pray for in 2020 is a humble heart. A humble heart that's open to God's correction. And a humble heart that's not offended when our brothers and sisters might need to speak up and correct us and help us. May I not be offended when a brother reaches out to me, points out a suggested course change. Sometimes I need that. Do you? When a brother or sister reminds me that I might be forgetting some things, forgetting some things that I ought to be doing, or rebukes me for arrogantly plunging ahead when I know I'm wrong. I need that. You need that. We all need it. Lord, may I be open to correction in this new year. And then the last one that he mentions, that I'll mention anyway, is in verse number 8. Kind of the summary of it all. He says, but my eyes are upon you, O God the Lord, and you I take refuge. Do not leave my soul destitute. My eyes are upon you. I think he's praying there, may my perspective be right. May my perspective be right. And I guess this kind of sums it up. May my perspective be right. There's a scene in Pilgrim's Progress. And those of you who've been here for any length of time know that I've, I've said in the past that uh, the Bible is a book that you ought to read all the time. But if there's a number two book that you ought to read, it's Pilgrim's Progress. Every Christian should read Pilgrim's Progress. It's just a tremendous, tremendous story. Pilgrim's Progress is, is, a, is an allegory, and it's the picture of a Christian walking through this life. And all the things that he encounters, as you read that story, you say, wow, that's, that's exactly right. It's exactly what I go through. And so it's very, very good to read. The, the hero's name is Pilgrim in the story. And there, there's, a story, there's a part of the book where he's making his way up a steep path toward a place called the Porter's Lodge. And he comes to a place in the road where there are two lions standing on either side of the road. And he's afraid. He doesn't want to go up to those lions. And so he's about to turn back when the porter calls out. And here's what the porter says. He says, Fear not the lions, for they are chained and are placed there for trial of faith where it is and for discovery of those that have none. Keep in the midst of the path, and no hurt shall come unto thee. So Pilgrim pressed forward, keeping on the straight path by fixing his eyes on the porter and refusing to look at the lions lunging at him from the sides of the path. And that's the picture that David was painting right here. He was, he was fixing his eyes on God as he made his way through the dangers of life. That's what he meant when he prayed, My eyes are upon you, O God the Lord, and in you I take refuge. May my perspective be right. May it all be about you in 2020. May my words be about you, Lord. May my heart be filled with you, God. May my works reflect you. May they point to you. May my efforts to avoid being ensnared by others always be only and ever about you. And may my openness to correction always lead me closer to you. May everything in 2020, everything, be about you. May my eyes stay firmly fixed on you. May my perspective be right. So can we agree, church, that as we begin this new year, we ought to begin it prayerfully? Can we, get, can we agree with that? Can I get an amen to that? I'm sure that many could have specific prayers you might add to David's list, but I think it's a good starting point. And so I'm going to ask you to pray these things with me today. 
We're going to sing in just a moment, and I'm going to ask that if, if, if you're willing, some, some if, if not all, would, would step out and come to this altar. And let's start 2020 with prayer. We just said we believe in it. Let's do it. Let's gather around here and let us pray. Let us pray and ask God that our words would be right, our heart would be right, our works would be right, that we would not be ensnared, that we would be open to correction, and that everything in this new year would be about Him. Will you join me in that prayer?